Spiritual Warfare 2, Lesson 1. What is this warfare for? So knowing about spiritual warfare is critical for Christians to be victorious in this life. So knowing how to have accurate spiritual warfare is critical for Christians to be victorious in this life. It's, it's not critical just to survive. It's critical, critical for us to be victorious, knowing how to have victory, how to obtain that victory, how to walk in that victory, not only how to obtain it, but to maintain it. Amen. Because if you don't know how to win battles, you're going to suffer loss and defeat. So we've got to know how to have victory, how to overcome the enemy. So what is spiritual warfare really about? What does this enemy seek to gain through battling Christians? Well, Revelation 20 verse 8 tells us and says, And he will go forth to, to deceive and seduce and lead astray the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to muster them for war. Their number is like the sand of the sea. Now, granted, we're looking at Revelation for that, but the enemy's tactic and the enemy's mission does not change. So he goes to deceive, to seduce, to lead astray. Deceive from what? The truth. To seduce from what? The truth and victory and the things that God has for us. And to lead astray away from God and on to his side. Why? Because he knows that he is doomed for all eternity and he wants to take as many of God's creations and especially God's people who have been born again. He wants to try to deceive, seduce, and lead astray. But for those that ha haven't been born again, they're still God's creatures or creations, we could say. And he still wants to take as many of those because he, God made us all fearfully and wonderfully. So if God had that purpose and plan for each and every person that he ever created, then what, what more victory could the enemy have of, of deceiving, seducing, and leading astray anybody that he can that God has a plan and a purpose outside of what the enemy wants? Amen. So the enemy seeks to deceive, seduce, and lead astray to add to his army and pervert the things as well as the people of God to weaken God's army. So this still goes on today. This, we must pray and seek God and understand spiritual warfare that we don't fall into these traps. But notice how this is written here. The enemy seeks to deceive, deceive to seduce, lead astray to add to his army. Well, but I don't want to be on the enemy's army. I don't want to be on Satan's army. Well, if you're not for God, you're against God. The Bible is even so strongly opinionated about this. It says, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. That's how strong the Word of God points out this. Points this out of saying you can't play both sides. You can't be riding the fence. You've got to choose God or choose Satan. There's no in-between, and you can't play games with either one. You're either working for God or you're working for the, or for, for the devil. Even Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You've got to pick one and stick with it. If you're on the losing side, if you're on Satan's side, you're going to lose. Sin has its pleasure for a season, but then it brings its damnation, its, its death with it. So if you're on his side, you're, you've, you're guaranteed defeat and loss. If you're on God's side, you're guaranteed victory. But the key ingredient is endurance. And so if we know how to fight spiritual warfare, we can win battles along the way to eventually win the war. Now, there is a difference. I want to maybe talk, touch on that for just a second. There's a difference between a battle 
and a war. You say, well, the battle of so-and-so, the battle of so-and-so. You can look back in history, see, you know, the battle of Gettysburg. Well, that wasn't the whole Civil War. That was a battle within the war. Then you say, you know, different uh, battles, you know, you go throughout history and pick out different battles at different times, but that was part of a war that was going on. Well, the war that is associated with us is maybe we could say our lives, the war between good and evil, the war between, you know, God and Satan. God's going to ultimately win because there's no chance for Satan to ever defeat God. But along the way, there's battles within our lives that we must gain victory in. Now, just to be completely honest with you, we may not win every battle. What does that look like? Well, we fall to sin. We give in to sin. We fall and make a mistake. We do something that gives victory over to the enemy because we have missed the mark. But that doesn't mean we've lost the war. That means we pick ourselves up and we say, all right, all right, Lord, I failed here, but I need your help to overcome, and I want to win this next battle. I want to win, win all the battles between now until I win the war in my life. So may you help me. I'm repenting now for losing this battle, but Lord, I'm not down. I'm not counted out because your grace is sufficient. Your mercy is renewed every morning. So Father, I need mercy. I need grace. Help me to overcome this next battle. Help me to gain victory in every battle after this. And God is faithful. God is faithful to give us those victories. But it requires us to talk to him. It requires us, even going back to spiritual warfare one, to go back to Jesus Christ, go back to God the Father, go back to our battle guide, go back to the Holy Spirit being our, our, our NCO. You can apply all of that, and it helps us gain victory. So God's army must be wise, bold, and true warriors that do not give up, back down, or allow defeat. You've got to be wise. You can't just be like Gomer Powell. Well, golly. You can't, you can't live your life like that. Because you will be so deceived by so many people around you. Now, there's times, now, I like watching Andy Griffith every once in a while. I like watching Gomer Powell every once in a while. But there are times I get a little irritated at how gullible Gomer Powell is and how much people take advantage of him. Just because he's nice. Well, some people see Christians that way. Well, they're just so nice, they'll turn the other cheek no matter what I do to them. And Christians allow it to happen. So we've got to be wise, even the word tells us to be wise as serpents, but gentle or innocent as doves. The word to be wise, but we're to be innocent. We're to, be, to have that element about us. But to be wise means you're judging fruit, you're judging things, you're not judging people to heaven or hell, but you're judging their actions, you're judging their fruit, and saying, all right, how do I handle this? How do I go about this? What do I need to, how do I need to take care of this situation? That is wisdom. And, of course, going back to the Word of God, because that's what we should base everything on, it, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The wi beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. We understand that. But if we don't have that fear, that honor, that reverence, that fear of God working in our life, then that wisdom is not going to come. Because we just flippantly do things. We just disregard what God says, what His Word says. We disregard an honor for Him. And then God says, all right, if you're not going to honor me, you're not going to listen to me, then you can have what you want. Amen. This is why I firmly believe there are many stupid people in this world. It's because they quit fearing and honoring God and said, I want to be my own God. He says, all right, you can go on your own wisdom then. And that's not much. <laughs> but the army of God must be wise. But we must also be bold. 
That's not an arrogance. It's not a pride. It's just a boldness of saying, I'm standing with my God. And if I'm standing on his side, then I know I'm right. You know, there was a politician, well, I'll name it. She, she boldly said it. You know, Hillary Clinton once said that, you know, let's stand on the right side of history. I don't care about that. I want to stand on the right side of God. I heard a wise man say that one time. It was my pastor, just FYI. He said, I'd rather, I don't care about standing on the right side of history. I want to stand on the right side of God. Now, I will throw this in. I want to stand on the right side. We could say the correct side, but I also want to stand on the right side of God because that's where the sheep's going to go. <laughs> so we want to be on the right side no matter what, the correct or the right side. Either way, that's the side we want to be on. But we're to be bold. That means we don't allow people to run over us. We don't allow people just to have and say and do whatever they want to us. We stand for the word of God. Now, the Bible does say to turn the other cheek, yes, but that's, you know, you can turn the other cheek and not bring wrath upon them, but you watch them. Even the Bible says when one falls, when one falls to a fault or to a sin, you can restore them if they repent, but then after that, you keep your eye on them. Why does it say that? Because you don't want them to deceive you again. You don't want them to have an, another issue, or it can also be a benefit to them if you don't allow them to be, maybe to get around those old people that they were around, to bring that to, to lead to them falling again. It's a benefit to them, but it's also wisdom for those that are around them to say, all right, they, we can go back to the example we used recently of having somebody that's committed grand theft auto to run the church van. Well, if we know that that's a sin they've fallen to previously, then we need to keep them away from that and remove that stumbling block to say, all right, we're not putting you near the church van ministry. We're keeping you away from that. So that's wisdom to help them, but also to help the church. There's wisdom in that, but there, it takes a boldness to say, no, we're not doing this. No, this is not how we're pursuing this. This is not where we're not allowing this to happen. Amen. And true warriors. You know, not the weekend warriors. <laughs> me, being in the, me being in the regular armies, what they call it in the military, we always made fun of the nasty girls. National Guard, that's what the regular army called the National Guard. There's always a running joke. There's a dear friend of mine who goes and grafted word. We still kind of, both of us have been out for years now, and we still go back and forth aggravating each other. It's all just in good fun. It's like two brothers aggravating each other, playing around. But the true warriors, now we could even go with maybe the weekend warriors are the ones that only go to church on Sunday, and then the rest of the week they live like they want to. Much like National Guard. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying this part to pick on them, but that's, that's what they do. They live a normal life through most of the week, and then a couple weekends, or maybe a weekend out of the month, a couple weeks out of the year, they go and they do training. Well, that's no slight to them. That's just what they chose, how they chose to serve in the military. The army of God is different. You can't do that in the army of God. In the army of God, it's not a part-time service. It's a 24-7, 365 quarter days a year. You've got to give it all that you've got because if you deny Jesus before men, Jesus said he would deny us before the Father. So that means we must be true soldiers 24-7 around the clock, not, not falling back, not giving in, not compromising the word of God, not compromising our walk with God, not backing down on things, not allowing defeat, but we stay firm on the word of God, we stay firm on the things of God. So when the enemy attacks, the main goal is to create a departure 
from God and deceive God's people to join the opposing team. James 4.4. You can look that up. But the attack is, the main goal is to bring a departure, bring a separation and division. This is the reason when we had certain people within our church wanting to make phone calls, phone calls, not talking person, phone calls behind my back and to some of the people and, you know, talk about our church or whatever they wanted to talk about because they were gossips and slanders. When they wanted to do that, that goal was to create division, to create dissension. That's, an, that's the work of the enemy. That is not of God. So anytime you hear somebody, you hear that up on their lips, be mindful, be wise, be bold, and be a true warrior. Be wise to say, hmm, that doesn't register as correct in the Bible because I'm not participating in gossip, slander, and guile. But then you'd be bold to say, no, 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 we shouldn't talk about this. If you have an issue, go to pastor. If you have an issue, go to that person. Don't call me and talk about it. You go to that person. And that leads you to be a true warrior of God because you're standing on what the Word says. Because the Word doesn't say to send a, to send a messenger pigeon to somebody to talk about somebody else because they didn't have phones back then. But it's one of those to where we don't allow gossip and slander to come near us and us do nothing about it. We stop it. We cut it off. And we say, nope, we're not allowing this. We're standing for the things of God. But in the last days, many Christians would depart from the faith falling for the attack or deception of the enemy. In the last days, I will say these days, those days are here. Because so we can say, and the Bible says in the last days, in the last days, we are in the last days. And as I've heard some preachers say, and I agree, we're in the last of the last days. So many Christians would depart from the faith, falling for the attack or the deception of the enemy. They fall for it. They're deceived, which goes back to, one of the main points that the enemy wants to do, deceive, seduce, and lead astray. And it's sad. You'll be surprised how many people and maybe even who it is that allow this deception in their life. That they fall for an attack. They fall for one fiery dart that hits them right straight in the mind and they don't put it out. They don't extinguish it. Or one thing that goes through and they just... They just hold their shield of faith open and allow that to penetrate. And then because they've taken off the breastplate of righteousness, it just penetrates their heart. And now all of a sudden they're consumed with whatever this fiery dart is. And then they walk away. They walk away from being on God's, in God's army. But 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. So that should not catch us off guard. Because there's lots of scripture for this. That, and we're not even going to really scratch the surface at it. But that some shall depart from the faith. They'll depart. They'll walk away from God. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So now we can see that's even broken up. Paul breaks it up into two categories almost. Actually, there's more to come. But we'll talk about these two first. Giving heed to seducing spirits. Well, that's a... Spirit that's seducing you, kind of pulling you away, trying to speak unto you, to pull you away, to, to entice you and pull you away. Then the other one is doctrines of devils. Well, that's a doctrine that's like, oh, I, you know, that's got some biblical truth to it. But is it the full truth of the word of God? Much like we could say one easy to pick on is hyper grace. 
Well, hyper grace says that you, because you have the grace of God, Jesus died once and for all for everybody. He was resurrected. So all you can live however you want to because Jesus died to cover all your sins and you don't have to ask for forgiveness. That's spiritual retardation. Because if anybody knows the word of God, you know, yes, Jesus died for your sins. Yes, he's not going to come back and die again. But Jesus died that we may receive forgiveness to be holy and be holy like God is holy. That's also scripture. Well, I don't think holiness allows sin. Because when you look at the definition and you study even more scripture, the word of God, sin is the exact opposite of holiness. And holiness is the exact opposite of sin. Sin brings death. Holiness brings life. You can't mix those two and say that it's okay in God's eyes. Anyway, we've got a whole teachings on that. We've made CDs for that, all kinds of things. But a doctrine of devil, not only doctrine of devils, does not only say that, but it's something that seems easier. Oh, well, man, I've been listening to this preacher most of my life. I've been listening to this preacher for years. This over here, this is a lot easier. I can understand this better. I could actually live this. You can live with this over here because it's the word of God and because even Paul says God's grace is sufficient. That means it will cover every gap. It will fill in every void. It will help you fill in every area that you can't do on your own. So that means it is livable. God's standard is obtainable. Not that we'll have every act perfect, but God's grace fills in what we can't do on our own. But this doctrine over here says I can live how I want to. I can smoke whatever I want to. I can sleep with whoever I want to. I can drink whatever I want to. Act however I want to. Skip church if I want to. Do whatever I want to do. And God's still okay with it because Jesus died for my sins. That's a doctrine of devils. Just because it seems easier. You know, <laughs> you know we talk about hyper grace. We'll pick on that a lot. And yes, that is a big thing right now. But it also started with this once saved, always saved. That's another form of the same thing. Well, once you get saved, there's nothing you can do because nothing can separate us from the love of God. True, but your sin will separate you from God himself. Not his love. His love will always be there for you. But you, but you can separate yourself from God by your sin. Amen. But see, that requires you to study the Bible and know Scripture. And if you're a lazy, half-baked, half-pagan Christian, I'm throwing that around loosely because they'll declare it, but they live half-baked and half-pagan, then you don't want to read the Scripture. That's what your preacher's for. He's supposed to be your walk with God. I'll tell you right now, I'm not your walk with God. Amen. You've got to have your own walk with God. Amen. Even going back to the verse we quoted a minute ago, you deny Jesus before men. That doesn't just mean your mouth. That means with how you live. He's, and Jesus said, I'll deny you before the Father. Doctrines of devils. Speaking lies and, hypocr and hypocrisy. <laughs> Having that we could even hit on the religious people. They'll, they speak lies and hypocrisy of saying, well, you need to live this way. And then they go home and live like the devil. <laughs> uh, Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. That leads to a reprobate mind. And my doctrine is, and we've proven it from Scripture, we've talked about it, we've pulled lots of Scripture out for it. You can disagree if you'd like to. we got Scripture for it. But I firmly believe when you're turned over to a reprobate mind, there's no coming back. There is no hope for that. 
Now, granted, you know, Jesus says the only thing that's unforgivable is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But once you go to a reprobate mind, you can sin and you don't even realize that you're missing conviction. And at that point, you really don't even care. Anyway, when a person is born again, this does not ensure an eternity of security with God, but that person must continue and endure until the end. Well, but I thought once I got saved, that was, everything was good. No, 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 that's just the beginning of our walk with God. We're to stick with it. Because Hebrews 3.12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. How can you depart? One, if you've never been near God. So that shows you've got to be born again. But this right here, even this verse says, you can walk away with an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. That means that once you believed, but you allowed your heart to turn sour, turn evil, and now you're walking away in unbelief. You're walking away from God. So this shows that just because we're once born again does not mean that we're secured in eternity forever. Now, granted, yes, when your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, yes, that secures it that way, but now we've got to maintain our walk with God to keep our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because there's even Scripture that says that He will blot out names. That your name is not blot out. So we've got to be careful. And God's not... <laughs> Let me, let me kind of balance this out. God's not sitting there waiting with white out. Oh, you messed up. I'm going to blot your name out. That's not God. Some religious people will paint God that way. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I'm trying to give us a balance of, yes, God will blot out our name if we continue to reject him. No, God, I don't want you. I want to be my own God. I want to live how I want to live. God will, he will, take his, he will dry up his grace and his mercy, and he'll blot out our name. But just as the flip side of that, God's not ready to do it at a moment's notice. He's a gracious God. He's merciful. He continues to say, come on, come on, repent. Come on, come back to me because I've got so much blessing I want to give you. I can't give it to you if you're going to walk in sin. I want to really give you this life. I have plans and purposes for your life. But all you've got to do is repent, and we can restore this fellowship. We're going to restore this, and we can walk together again. And it takes us to say, nope, 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 don't want that. Nope, don't want that. So, knowing this verse, that lest there, be, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God, we must walk with our God and not allow things to penetrate our heart and divide us, deceive us, seduce us, and lead us astray from our walk with God. Matthew twenty four thirteen: that He that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Believers must endure as good soldiers, 2 Timothy 2, 3. This requires spiritual warfare to battle and declare victory through endurance and power in overcoming the enemy. Anything less than victory is walking away from the faith. Anything less than victory is walking away from the faith. Well, Pastor, that seems pretty bold. Yes, what do you do when you sin? You walk away from your faith and you turn to sin. That's not victory, that's defeat. So, granted... As we said, we may lose that battle, but now it's up to us to get back in right standing with God, ask for forgiveness, repent, turn back to God, and then gain victory and stay with Him and win the battles after that. But that requires us to stay in our faith and walk with God. Notice the key element to victory is enduring to the end. 
Victory is given to whoever is faithful to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father. Because you're faithful to Jesus Christ, because He's the truth, He's your Savior, He's your Lord. You're faithful to the Holy Spirit because you're led by the Spirit, you walk by the Spirit, and you, which leads you to be faithful to God the Father because that's who you honor and who you live for. Christians cannot give up. It should not be an option. You cannot give up. So Hebrews 10, 38 and 39 says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that, that believe to the saving of the soul. So that means that we cannot draw back in any regard, in any shape, form, or fashion in our lives, but we stay faithful to the things of God. The writer of Hebrews describes that a Christian can draw back or return to a life of sin, but this is not the plan for the life of a believer. So we have the ability doesn't mean that we should. We just have the ability because God makes us free moral agents. We can choose sin or we can choose uh, holiness. We can choose to walk with God. Again, that even is reflected in God saying, choose. He says, you know, I set before you life and death. And then he says, choose life. It shows it's still our choice. We've got to make the right decision. And death comes one decision at a time. Well, I'm not going to go to church today. Well, I'm not going to do this today. I'm not going to read my Bible today. I'm not going to pray today. I'm not going to, I'm not going to. And then that leads you, the next thing you know, you haven't read your Bible in 20 years. You haven't prayed in 10. Because the last time you prayed is because you really needed something, not because you wanted to seek God's face. And the last time you was at church where that pastor died 20 years ago, I don't know who the pastor is now. All because of one decision at a time. Believers are to live by faith and have their souls saved through salvation. A salvation made of three parts, justification, sanctification, and glorification, is completed when glorification is achieved in heaven as a person receives a glorified body. So just maybe a little bit of review here. Justification is when you're first born again. When you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, it's just as if those sins never happened. God wipes them away. He forgets about them. And sanctification... Yes, we're made sanctified through Jesus Christ. We understand that verse. But sanctification is a lifelong process where we continue to dump things out of the ship. Let me lighten this load so I can get closer to God. Let me lighten this load so I can get closer to God. Let me lighten this out of my, out of my ship. Let me get this out. Let me get that out. And that's usually as God directs you. All right, you want to get a little closer? Then throw some of the weight and hindrances that are getting in your way. Amen. And then glorification, as we said, is when we receive our glorified body when we reach heaven. This solidifies the person's accomplishment of salvation to the end. That means that once you receive your glorified body, you're done. You're set in stone. Amen. It's like after you receive your glorified body, what else is there to obtain? Nothing. Amen. Having this goal should be the mission of every soldier of God. Having this goal should be this, the mission of every soldier of God. Why? Because many people say, well, I got born again because I was, I was in trouble with the law and I wanted to be you know, set free from that. Well, that's good. That might be a byproduct, but what our heart should be is I want to please and honor God. I want to make it to heaven. I want to honor my God. I want to stand before him at his throne. Not just because we had this issue on earth and we knew that, well, if we got born again, if we declared, if we went to church, we'd get out of the trouble, then we can go right back to the way we were living. No, no, no. I'm going to tell off on a couple that, that 
that went to my dad's church for probably three or four years, they first came, and it was this couple. They had been in some trouble, and they had their kids taken away from them. Well, they got, they got into church and declared that they, you know, got born again and, and really kind of wagged the dog, we'll say. We'll just put it that way. They really spoke the Christianese, done all these things right, where everybody in the church was like, man, look at that, that's awesome, that's awesome. And after, I'm going to say safely two or three years, they you know, worked to get their kids back, was going through the court system, you know, even had you know, people at the church you know, vouching for them, testifying for them. Yeah, they've turned their life around, they've done this, they've done that. And as soon as they got their kids, they never came back to church. Two to three years. While the Bible says that you should be able to go from a new convert to being a fivefold minister within three years. Which one do you want? You want to have things here on earth because that's all you're thinking about because you're carnally minded? Or do you have things spiritually minded and you want to do the will of God for your life? Choice is up to us. But this, this is the reason I put this in here is not every Christian has the same goal. And I, they don't have the same mission. And our mission should be to honor God, to please Him, and to live a life that's pleasing unto Him. doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. It just means we're aiming and we're striving to, to honor Him with everything that we've got and all that we are. The enemy knows this should be the goal of every Christian, so he works hard to distract and divert every believer from this goal. The battle for every Christian is to fulfill their life according to God's plan in spiritual warfare. If the enemy has a person on their side, there is no fight or struggle because he's already got them. There's no need to contend with them. But this is the reason God gives his people armor to stand and fight against these attacks of the enemy to achieve the victory God designed his people to obtain. Because originally, God didn't want us to have to go through spiritual warfare, but because of the fall of man, because of the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, well, then God says, all right, I knew this was coming, so I've got you spiritual armor ready to go. I've got my son I'm going to send and that you may be free from sin. That sin won't have dominion over you. You may have a sinful nature. You may have a thing you have got, you've got to contend with, but you won't be under the dominion of sin. You can have dominion over it. But for 2 Corinthians eleven twelve through 15 says, But I will continue doing what I have always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast their work is just like ours. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. So looks can be deceiving. That's the reason we've got to be wise. We've got to have discernment about us. Judge fruit consistently, not just once in a blue moon. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. The subtleness the enemy uses against the army of God is the best weapon they have in spiritual warfare. A subtleness. Why do you think so many people have given in to false doctrines? Is because it's subtle. Even there was a pastor that Miss Tiffany and I used to be under that he preached the word of God, he preached word of faith. I mean, it was really where we kind of cut our teeth on Pentecostal 
non-denominational things, charismatic things, and then all of a sudden he gives me this CD to listen to as I'm going to work because I, was, I had about an hour and a half drive to work one way. And so he gave me this CD. He said, here, listen to this. This is really, this is really good stuff. Tell me what you think about this. So I put it in, and I'm listening to it. I'm like, what in the world is this? I'm like, he's using Scripture? I'm like, oh, my word, what is There's something off about this. There's something off about this message and this guy that's preaching. I didn't know it at the time. I gave it, I gave it back to him. And I don't think we really discussed it too much. It was Joseph Prince. All about hyper grace. Here I am thinking, man, there's just, he's using scripture, but there's something off. There's just something off about it. I can't put my finger on it. And then, you know, of course, you know, uh, began to understand what that was a little bit more. Began to see uh, compare it with the truth of the Word of God, and was able to see all of the hidden things, but it was passed off as something that was really a revelation of God, as it was just really something, you know, it's just so he- going to help the body of Christ to live a more free life. No, it puts you in bondage of the sin, right? going right back to the sin that you declared you're supposed to be free from. But now they say you have a license to sin, not a license from sin. Amen. We're to be set free from it, not have to go back to it. But it was so subtle, even the way that that pastor presented it to me. Now, by no means is this Pastor Chris. <laughs> Praise God. I learned what a real pastor was under him. But this former pastor, he, it, it even washed over him so subtly that even now I understand that he, he doesn't mind to drink. He doesn't mind to do other things. And I'm like, wow, that escalated pretty quickly. But it was just so subtle. So subtle. The knowing that a full frontal attack cannot be won when the soldier is ready for a battle, another method must be sought to sneak into the camp that a, of that Christian believer. The enemy is always looking for a way in. It's the reason Ephesians tells us don't give any place, don't give any room, don't give any foothold to the enemy. As you allow that foothold, he's going to run you ragged. He's going to come in and take everything you've got. You can't afford to give him one ounce. <laughs> you know, it's like, if you have a mouse, well, that's just one mouse. It'll be okay. No, <laughs> we all know better than that. We all know one mouse can do a lot of, a lot of damage. But then that mouse is going to multiply to more mice. Because I want to get my English right. One mouse becomes more mice. And then that leads to your whole house being infested. And you don't want that. We wouldn't want that in the natural, so why do we allow it in the spiritual? Well, this little thing here, this is excusable. You know, I can smoke this and be fine, or I can just have a drink now and then, I'll be fine. I can just, you know, watch porn every once in a while and be fine, or I can just, you know, fondle this woman and be fine. It's not my wife. No, no, no. That's giving place to the enemy. All right, well, we see that that's kind of maybe some bigger ordeals. What about one little lie? One little white lie. We live in a religious region who believes in white lies. There's no such thing as a white lie. Unless you're white and you're lying. That's the only white lie you get. (laughs) There is no white lie. The word says all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. It doesn't separate the degrees of lies. It says all liars. That's the reason it's important to repent and get away from lying. To the enemy, a Christian leader, 
has the best camp to attempt this maneuver on due to the influence that leader has in the lives of other believers. Go, even going back to my example of my former pastor that I had. Because what that led to was him, him giving me that CD to kind of test the waters with me. And because I was like, I don't know. So we would, at the time, Miss Tiffany and I, we would teach our youth and high schoolers and things. So we would have our own Sunday school class teach things. And, and you know, we would come out. And there was a few times before that pastor wound up leaving, standing us up and putting us in. There was times we would come out and they would be in almost knockdown, drag out fights of people screaming at each other about hyper grace. One standing for the word of God, the other one standing for hyper grace, and they're like almost in each other's faces fussing about this. And we come out and we're like, what in the world? That happened about two or three times and that was it. Those people started dropping out, people started leaving. And then when the people started leaving, money started drying up. That pastor said, all right, here's your next pastors. We, we, we stay there. We bring in the truth. We still, we still preach the word of God. People started coming back. Why? Because the truth was setting people free. Anyway, the seeker-friendly movement has been one of those movements that has given the false sense of doing good for, uh, for God while leaving God out of the process. We're going to do this for God. We're going to leave God out of it. <laughs> this is why I firmly believe in what we do is God's graffiti. Because many people will hold a youth thing. They'll do things for the community, do things for the region, but they leave God out of it. Or they'll want to be hip and cool and be relevant. And that's not what people need. People need the word of God. They need the truth of God. So us as God's graffiti, yes, we do feed people for free. Yes, we do give away prizes. Yes, we do allow a free entrance fee where you can just come in. You don't have to pay anything to come in and enjoy the event. But you're going to hear the word. <laughs> you're going to hear the word. <laughs> Amen. But seeker-friendly churches endeavor to reach as many people as possible without offending anyone while simultaneously assisting those that attend such a gathering to make them comfortable for the duration of the event. If you know anything about me, if you've been around me very long, I don't care about offending people. <laughs> and 99.9% and .9 of the time, I don't do it on purpose if it happens. Now, I will admit, there's that point one. There's that point one. But 99.9% .9 of the time, I don't even mean to. There's been times I've, I've been preaching or I've been teaching on something, and I... And, Lord leads me to say something. I say, all right, I can say that. All right, Lord, that, that fits in right here well, really well. And I'll say it. And then as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, dear Jesus. I hope that person doesn't think I'm talking to them because I can see how that fits. But if, but if I'm feeling that push to say it and I'm not focused on anybody's sin, anybody's issues here, then you got to take that up with God. Amen. Now, again, I'm not saying I'm perfect because there is that 0.1%. But the rest of the time, it's, you know, we try to, try to leave that up to God. But this does not sound like true Christianity, but the local entertainment venue that seeks customers to purchase the item being sold. What seeker-friendly churches are selling is their name. They're selling seats. They're selling entertainment because all they want is money. 
They don't care about people dying and going to hell. They don't care about preaching the truth of God. All they want is all of these different ministries, or we would say, they even take that word out now, and they say groups. Have this group and that group. Well, what is that group doing? Grouping together, going to hell. How about you say it's a ministry, our youth ministry. Well, that means to serve and to give the word of God. Our senior ministry, that means to serve and to give the word of God. Our men's ministry, our women's ministry, our children's ministry. We can see how the, even the wording begins to be subtle to take away with the meaning behind it. Amen. The true Messiah, Jesus Christ, cannot be sold as a piece of merchandise, but should be honored, loved, and obeyed as the Son of the Most High God. Jesus doesn't need us to sell him. And, and I get irritated at these commercials where they're trying to rebrand Jesus. Talking about him hanging out with sinners and doing this and doing that. Yes, he did hang out with sinners, but he gave them the word of God. He gave them the truth of God for them to repent. <laughs> if, you, if you really go through all the times that Jesus ate with people, he usually offended somebody. Because he was giving them the truth. He was giving them something they needed to hear. But also in those settings, you had people followed him. People chose to be his disciple. It's all about the heart of the hearer. Matthew 10, 34 and 35. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against the mother and the daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law. So you can see even Jesus from his own mouth says, I'm not coming to bring peace right now. I'm coming, I'm bringing the truth, and the truth is going to divide people because some people want the truth, some people don't want the truth, and that's what's going to be the division. Matthew 10, 38 says, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. And 1 Peter 2, 8 says, And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Now, we got to be very careful that, because some translations of this verse will say those that are being disobedient, they've been assigned or appointed to their fate because they've chosen to disobey the word. Now, granted, some people will say, well, they're predestined to go to hell. They, God didn't want them in heaven, so that's where they're predestined to go. That's not, the, that's not the point of the verse. The point of the verse is to say, since the fallen nature of man, the enemy has had a fate for them to go to hell, and that's where he wants them without the truth. So when you disobey the truth of the word of God, when you disobey God, then you're going, you're following the appointed fate that the enemy has for you. Not the appointed fate that God has for you. The appointed fate that God has for you is to honor him, to serve him, to go to heaven with him. But that requires an obedience to the word. So Jesus declares in this verse that he came to bring offense and make, in these verses, excuse me, that he came to bring offense and make others uncomfortable by his believers carrying their cross. Now that uncomfortableness, even though his yoke is easy and his burden is light, that uncomfortableness means that you're stepping out of your comfort zone to follow Jesus. <laughs> when I first became a Christian, I didn't want to speak in front of people. You see, a lot of good, Jesus really left me in that comfort zone. <laughs> Being a little sarcastic this morning. But to get me out of that comfort zone, 
God started setting me up to do what he wanted me to do. And so slowly and surely, he started giving me little things to be in front of people, to be able to talk and to do things to lead me, I believe, into this point. To where now I can, I can get up in front of anybody. It doesn't matter. It doesn't bother me. I can talk to anybody because I know the Lord's going to be with me. The Lord's going to anoint me and he's going to help me as long as I rely on him and not do it in my own flesh. Amen. And he'll do the same for each and every one of us. But he doesn't want us to be comfortable, so he calls us to be uncomfortable by carrying our cross. doesn't mean that we're miserable. It just means it may seem a little, I really don't want to do this, but I know the Lord's wanting me to. <laughs> and we're to obey him anyway, not ourselves. Why do the ministers of God think their ministry is higher than the ministry of Jesus Christ to bring comfort and convenience? We're not called to bring comfort and convenience. We're to bring change and holiness. This part of the deception of the this is part of the deception of the enemy to lull the soldiers of God asleep while on duty for Christ Jesus Christ and slowly move them away from the safety and security of God's camp. To lull the soldiers of God asleep. <laughs> Comforting the sinful nature, we would say the Trojan horse of the enemy within all of mankind, is confrontational and is sometimes an all-out war for a believer fighting to stay holy and pure for God. Well, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, I can explain that very thoroughly for you because I wrote this lesson. <laughs> but confronting the sinful nature. The sinful nature is like that Trojan horse. It's on the inside of us, and when, it, when we have it on the inside of us, it wants to come out every once in a while. It wants to say, I want to do this. I want to look at that. I want to eat this. I want to do that. I want to smoke this. I want to sleep with that person. I want to, I want to, and then we know that it goes against the will of God. We know it against, goes against the word of God. So that's that inner thing that is w kind of trying to come out and attack us like the Trojan horse, but we've got to see it for what it is and say, no, 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 we're not falling for that. We're not giving in to that. I can see who you are. I can see where you came from. Shut up mind, shut up sinful nature. We're not giving in to that. We're confronting it with the word of God, praying, seeking God, and we're going to overcome and have victory in the name of Jesus. So that's confrontational. It takes confrontation to say, no, we're not doing that. No, we're not giving in to that. And sometimes it's an all-out war. Just be honest with you. Sometimes it's an all-out war. <laughs> well, all right, let's be completely honest. When Miss Tiffany and I were courting, it wasn't always easy just to look at her and, you know, not, and maybe just hold her hand, and that's all I wanted to do as a man. But praise God, we had enough doctrine within us. We had enough good teaching within us to say, all right, we need to be around people. We need to be out in the open with everybody. We shouldn't be alone in a house. We've got to stay. That would keep us accountable. It wasn't always easy to go through. And we all have our own thing. Because all of us are different. We all have something that is, like we could say, our pet sin. That may, hopefully we don't pet it, but we understand that it's closer to us than other things are. So every attack is going to be different for each of us. This effort, effort it, to sanctify oneself unto God defines the spiritual warfare for every believer. Spiritual warfare can come in seasons much like natural wars come and go. But if a Christian does not experience warfare on a somewhat normal routine of time, for example, expecting each expecting each season within a calendar year that's just an example don't expect it to be on time every time it's just an example it should cause a pause to see which side of warfare one is truly on if you never go through spiritual warfare you may want to say wait a minute whose side am i on now granted it 
as we just said, it'll be a season. So that means the, the warfare doesn't go on all year long, every day. But there will be seasons where the enemy kind of raises his ugly head and wants to bring victory on his side and defeat for us. And we've got to say, all right, when's the last time I was in spiritual warfare? All right, yeah, all right, it's been a little bit, but you know, I, I, can remember the, I can remember the last time I was in it. All right, so I must be doing something right, so I need to stay the path with God. But if it's been a very long time, you may want to reassess whose side you're on. Because as we said earlier, if the enemy's not coming against you, he's not going to confront those that are already on his side. So Matthew 12, 25 and 26, And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall his, then his kingdom stand? Christians must not be deceived by the enemy from misunderstanding where they stand on the battlefield. God's soldiers must know with confidence they are on His side because they live by the Word of God and walk by the Spirit. May we as Christians know that we walk with God and pray we are never deceived by the enemy in any capacity. Amen.